This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. This is also a time of the year where retailers bury us with all kinds of promotions to get us to make that one last purchase before the holidays. We're referring to those 30% off for a limited time promotions. In many instances, those work when you're talking about in-store shopping, but do are they as effective when you're talking about online purchases? Kate Lamberton, professor of marketing at the Wharton School, part of the research team looking at this, and she joins us to break things down. Hi, Kate. Happy holidays to you. Hi, Dan. Great to be here. Thank you. So take us into this because this is an interesting dynamic of retail because one might think, you know what, it really probably doesn't matter whether it's in-store or online. 30% is 30%. Right. 30% is is pretty good. Um, It's interesting because we started this project. Um, My my colleague, Jillian Murovic, who's at Drexel, started this project because she was really interested in countdown timers that are increasingly used online. They see exploding deals. We get these emails with little clocks in them that tell you how long you have left to get the deal. And so we started by simply trying to replicate the effect that when time is becoming more scarce, people are more motivated to grab things. The problem was we couldn't get that effect. We just couldn't get it, and we would change the size of the discount. We would change the kind of the pro- kind of product, and we just couldn't ever make it the case that when people had a countdown clock, they were willing to pay more or more likely to buy than the same exact promotion without a countdown clock. Um, and after you run enough studies, you realize this can't just be a glitch in our study. There has to be something weird going on here that makes this not work in the same way online as it does offline. Right, because you would think when you're talking about something like an online offer, I mean, people are seeing it square front and center and that it would elicit a response of some kind, correct? Yeah, and it it was interesting at various times we thought, well, maybe people click on it, but then they don't buy. Um, But if we found anything, it was usually that it wasn't great for retailers because uh, consumers know that online you can find the same product in 20 different places. So what the consumers would then do is they would go search more. So I have one retailer that's trying to put time pressure on me. Likely, I can find the same deal somewhere else without time pressure. So they would actually go and look for that deal. Um, so what was, being, what was happening psychologically is that consumers' persuasion knowledge was being activated. And persuasion knowledge is the understanding that consumers have about the tactics that retailers use. So in this case, they'd see the time scarcity promotion, the countdown clock, the exploding deal, and say, hey, they're trying to force me to do something I don't want to do. Um, in one study, we did this with pizzas. You know, a, a pizza store sends you an email, and they're trying to sell these pizzas by a certain time. <laughs> and the inferences people made were they overordered dough, or they right, have right. they have materials that are go that are going to rot if we don't buy them. So consumers do think about why this is happening, and that doesn't always work in favor of the retailer. So then I guess this becomes very important for the the retailer and the manager and the marketer as well to think about the ways that they're trying to connect with the consumer and maybe start to think of a new idea, a new approach here, instead of kind of falling back on what seemingly is kind of a, a, a standard approach by a lot of companies. Exactly. And I think what we've seen over the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years is that retailers will take the things that work offline and just translate them online. 
and expect that they're going to work. And what we need to realize is that consumers are increasingly comfortable running the show in the online world. Um, they, they're not willing to go with a retailer to the same extent as they might offline because online search costs are very low. I can switch to different websites. Right. Offline, if I don't like what a retailer is doing, I have to get back in my car and drive somewhere else. Um, so I think the first lesson we'd have is, okay, you really have to think before you just translate the same thing offline to online. And that could go for a whole bunch of different tactics that we tend to use, um, whether it's time scarcity or it's you know quantity scarcity that there are only X left. Um, it, it, all of these just play, they play very differently. And we can't assume they're going to work the same way. Well, okay. I'm glad you, you clarified that because I was thinking about it in the offline world, the time element would obviously be a little bit different, I, I would think, mm -hmm. because you wouldn't have a necessarily a countdown clock. Maybe you'd be saying, you know, by the end of the weekend or you know something along that line. It's a little bit of a different dynamic there from that timing element, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that the most effective of these that we see offline are are often things like you know the classic blue light special was the was the first one. So, you know, it goes off, and that's a fairly short time frame. Um, but people understand that that happens in that retailer, that that's part of that retailer's process. But a lot of them, to your point, are, you know, buy it by the end of the day or buy it by the end of the weekend. Now, these can work under some conditions. So they can work when there's a reason for the time scarcity that the retailer doesn't control. So, for example, we ran a study that where the end of the deadline was Christmas. It was a holiday. Mm -hmm. right? The time is naturally expiring for the holiday, and that's not the retailer's, you know, ploy. Right? It, they aren't controlling when that deadline is. And these are slightly more effective online when that's the nature of the deadline, um, when, it's, when it's not something they're arbitrarily creating for no apparent reason. Um, but even then, they only work when you're within that last day, which, like you said, is, is much like how we experience it offline that it has to really be within that last window before it motivates action. How important then is it if the understanding of this for the company when you're thinking about the online world uh, that you can't just kind of use the same mm -hmm. pitch in both places? Yeah, I would say, you know, the first thing we'd say is if you're online, you can experiment. The best thing to do is to try it. There may be a segment of your consumers who indeed is motivated by these kinds of these kinds of tactics. We couldn't find that in our data, but for different products, you may have different kinds of responses. Um, but I think in general, there's room for more creativity. There's room to say, what capabilities do we have online that we don't have offline? Let's design promotions that use those capabilities, whether they relate to interactions with social media websites or whether they can you know, translate very easily to mobile and online, but don't necessarily have an analog offline. Um, I think retailers and marketing's really, marketers need to really realize that the location where these things shows up fundamentally changes the meaning that consumers get from them. And, and I guess this also becomes important because of the fact we, we know that e-commerce has obviously grown significantly mm -hmm. in, in the last decade. But still, it's, you know, what's the latest number here, Kate? 12, 13% of, of all sales. So that in-person experience is still very much where a lot of the purchasing is done. And I guess the expectation is, even with e-commerce growing, it's still the in-person that's going to carry the, the, the weight a lot here. 
Yeah, it's interesting. We had a, I had a guest speaker in my class this semester, Stephen, Silver, Stephen Silverstein. He's the uh, CEO of Spencer's and Spirit, right? With these are, they are, those are in-store shopping experiences to yeah. go to a Spirit Halloween. <laughs> and he said something that I think is pretty resonant. He said people buy online, but they shop in the store. Um, they're very different experiences. And as much as we try to curate an online experience, so much of what's done online is driven by what we would call performance marketing. That is, how many clicks are we getting? How much, how much, you know, how many impressions are we getting? Um, and that leads retailers to use the same tactics over and over, right? Every single article now has a headline that seems like a BuzzFeed headline because that worked for BuzzFeed. Everything starts to look exactly the same yeah. when what you care about are clicks. In the offline world, and so, so you can become nearly commodified by chasing the same metrics everyone's chasing online. In the offline world, people don't have the same temptation, right? You're immersed in the brand and the experience, so you can resist that a little bit more. But I would say either online, offline, in both places, you need to think about what your brand is doing and not fall into the same trap and the same tactics that everybody else is using. Well, so then do you think it is fairly similar, that mindset across all kinds of retailers who, who might be in these dynamics, or is there some differentiation in terms of how you approach it, depending on whether it is a spirit store, as you mentioned, we've talked with, with Steve yeah. a, a lot, and, and, yeah. and I get that exactly, or in comparison with, say, a Dick Sporting Goods or a pizza store or, you know, something else, yeah. are there some differentiations along the way here, too? I mean, I think in-store always matters. Um, now, there are there, there are brands that cultivate a very distinctive in-store experience and brands where, you know, to Stephen's point, you go there just to buy. You don't really go there to shop. I would say for them, yeah. there may be a missed opportunity. There's no neutral experience, the truth, right? We go in, we have one. <laughs> and, and so whether, that's, whether you intentionally designed that or not, people are going to have one. There's no nil experience. Um, I think online what's very interesting is that uh, there are retailers that we associate with a very powerful offline experience. So, for example, luxury retailers who have made an explicit decision to not lean that hard into online retailing. Chanel, for example, you can go online and kind of review their goods as a lookbook of yeah. sorts, but they're not that interested in making an online experience that allows purchase in the same way that their offline experience prompts that kind of engagement. Right, because when you're talking about saying going to a, a jewelry store or something like that, part mm -hmm. of the experience is being up close and seeing it firsthand, and yeah. and and putting the ring on your finger and, and getting it, you know, to see it what it looks like. It's it's just not the same experience when you're looking at it on a on a website. It's not. It's not. Although you know, it's it's sort of interesting. Some of those categories you would think would be resistant. People are becoming more comfortable with making major purchases online. Um, I think COVID accelerated that, right? Because for a while, we didn't have a choice. <laughs> That's yeah. all we were going to do. But what we would say is, you know, even for purchases that people are very comfortable making online, once you slap these exploding deals, these timers, et cetera, on them, people think the product is not of good quality. They start to ask questions about whether the brand is manipulating them, um, and you lose the power that you might have uh, if you didn't do that. Kate, great to have you with us. Thanks very much. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, too. Thank you. Kate Lambert and Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School.
To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.